0: my first two, I almost felt like this is happening to me. And I think my last two, it was like, no, this is happening for me. Like, this mm. is, this is good. This is, you know, every contraction, every, every minute is one step closer to my baby. And, and it, it felt like just a better mental state overall.
1: Welcome to the happy home Birth podcast. Your source for positive natural childbirth stories and your community of support, education, and encouragement in all things home birth and motherhood. What lessons have you learned through your pregnancies, labors, and births? Did you learn to surrender? Did you learn that you're more powerful than you thought? Or did you learn that your baby may be born on Valentine's Day, even if you really, really don't want him to be? <laughs> hey there, happy home birthers, and welcome to episode 136 of the Happy Home Birth Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Fusco, and this week we're speaking with Erin Wilkins, whom you may know on Instagram as Essentially Erin. Erin has had all of her biological babies at home, jumping on the home birth train eight years ago during her first pregnancy even though she was working as an RN. I know you're going to love this episode. I was also blessed to have my best friend and fellow home birth mama, Emily, join the conversation, my co-host this show, and it was so fun to get her perspective on a number of questions and topics. She's growing a beautiful community over at Emily underscore authentically, if you want to follow along. Now, before we jump in, let's take a quick moment to thank our reviewer of the week, Lexi Fab, who writes the podcast I've been missing in my life. This podcast is so needed in the world of birth. It's so encouraging and hopeful and will give you all the feels. I love hearing all the unique stories from the variety of mamas that come on to share. It's perfect for all walks of life and is so relatable, even if home birth is a topic totally new to you. And if you're a birth junkie, then this podcast is definitely for you. Thank you so much, Lexi. If you'll email me at caitlin at myhappyhomebirth.com, I would love to send you a Happy Home Birth podcast sticker. And if you're gaining value from this show, would you hop over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review? They're basically Christmas presents to me, and they help tremendously with this show's reach. Okay, let's jump in. Please remember that the opinions of my guest may not necessarily reflect my own and vice versa, and this show is not meant to prescribe or treat. It's an educational tool, so continue to take empowered responsibility for your health and your family. Erin, thank you so much for coming on
0: the Happy Home Birth Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here and talking about my favorite subject, Uh, Well, it's also my
1: favorite subject, and I also have a co-host on the show today, my very wonderful friend, Emily. So Emily, you want to say hi as well?
2: Hey, uh, my name is Emily. I'm a hairstylist in upstate South Carolina, a wife to um, my high school sweetheart of 10 years and a mother to uh, two sweet kiddos, one the Lord blessed us through adoption and one through home birth last year.
1: Very nice. And Aaron, would you take some time here at the beginning to introduce yourself to the listeners?
0: Yeah, sure. So my name's is Aaron. Um, I am a registered nurse. I'm a mother to five children. I have one stepdaughter and then I've had four with my husband now. Um, all of my babies have been born at home. Um, we just moved from California to Tennessee about six months ago. And yeah, I do lots of um, educating and just trying to empower others online on Instagram and working on some other things as well. So
1: you've got a lot going on, and you, yeah. <laughs> I'm curious to hear just from the very beginning. So you already mentioned, you know, you're a registered nurse, and you chose home birth with all of your babies. So what was that like? How old is your oldest? My oldest is eight. Okay. So what was that like eight years ago when you were considering where and how you would give birth?
0: Yeah. It's so interesting. Um, I feel like my story's a little bit unique in that. Like it seems like home birth and maybe it's just the community I have now, but it seems like home birth is becoming a little bit more popular. At least it's being talked about more as an option. Whereas eight years ago, it was like, what you're you're doing? What? Like, it seemed crazy to people when I told them that I was going to have my baby at home, you know, Um, especially as a nurse. And like, why, why would you do that? There was a lot of questions and a lot of fear surrounding what if something goes wrong, like just, you know, a lot of unknown with that, but it seems like that's changing a little bit, which makes me happy. Cause I, I love, I've loved having my babies at home. So as a nurse, um, you know, I went through nursing school rotations. I learned all about, um, birth and pregnancy and everything that happens in the body and the process of, um, you know, what what role hormones play in labor and getting ready, your body ready for labor. Just this incredible thing that happens to women as they're going through birth and this natural process that makes it like so perfectly harmonious. Right. And, um, as I was going to, as, as, as I was learning about the birth process and simultaneously doing my birth rotation. So I was witnessing, birth in the hospital, um, for me, it just felt a little bit like there was no judgment on anyone doing it this way, but I just, I recognized early that I wanted to experience birth in the way that it was intended, meaning no intervention. Mm. I wanted to know what it was like to feel like all the hormones and all those sensations because it was such a perfectly designed process. And I just didn't want to numb anything. I wanted to experience it the way I was meant to experience it. And so when I got pregnant with my first baby, it was immediately like, okay, I got to find midwives. And I was actually seeing an OBGYN simultaneously because I wasn't 100% sure. And I wanted to just explore all my options, but it was maybe, I don't know, 20 weeks or so that I decided to just pursue the home birth and use my midwives.
1: Yeah, that's amazing.
0: And one question that I have heard
1: over and over again, when making that decision beyond the, okay, what if something goes wrong, but also getting your husband on board, because oftentimes, you know, this information is kind of shocking. It's like, you, you want to do what? <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
1: And yeah. so what, what was that like for your relationship? How did you and your husband navigate that together?
0: Yeah. Good question. Um, I actually haven't, I don't think anyone has ever asked me that question in terms of like um, I get asked all the time, like, how do I convince my husband or, you know, I want a home birth, but my husband doesn't like, what can I do? And it's been so long since I've even thought about that conversation I had with Ben, my husband. Um, I think he is someone who he really respects me and my opinions, especially as a healthcare provider and also, is like, well, it's your, it's your birth experience and I'm going to support you and what you want to do. But, you know, he has had the experience too, of having a daughter in a previous marriage who was born in the hospital. Um, and so he, in the beginning, he was a little bit like, well, why don't we just do it? I remember him being like, why don't you just do it like everyone else? <laughs> and <Yep. laughs> it's funny now because after being married for 10 years, I think he realizes that there's not really very much, very many things that I choose to do like everyone else. So <laughs> that, was like, that was like the start of, of things. But um it just took a little bit of, you know, explaining, here's why I want to do it. And here's why I think it's going to be great. And, um, you know, he was pretty much on board from the beginning with very little um convincing on my end. It was more just about educating and telling him that this is what I wanted. And he was very respectful of that decision. So yeah, he was, he was on board. That's wonderful. And I do agree that a
1: lot of this boils down to education. And unfortunately, societally, we just don't have a lot of that. You know, we're told what birth is, we're told that it's dangerous and scary. And so of course, when I think of, when I hear these mothers saying, you know, oh, but my husband just is not on board. Well, of course he's not. He's heard these horror stories and he wants to protect you because that's, you know, that's the role of protection. And so it really comes down to working together as a team and showing the education, showing the research. Oftentimes it's meeting with the midwife and hearing them explain what this is like to really just bring your husband alongside you in this journey, because it is the two of you together.
0: Totally. Yeah. And it was a lot of like, we did, we went and met with my midwives and he was able to ask them all the questions that he had about home birth and, you know, like what happens if there's something wrong with the baby, like all those things. Um, and so after that he was pretty much on board and there's that, that documentary, the business of being born. I remember us watching that. Um, so yeah, just a few things. And he was like, just a little bit of education goes a long way. I feel like on, on the topic. Absolutely. So I
1: would love to hear what that first pregnancy was like for you. And then, you know, kind of get into your birth story a little bit.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Um, So my first pregnancy was, oh man, it was rough. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I expected pregnancy to be a breeze. I really did. My mom, um, she, she always told me she loved being pregnant. She, she would say she never felt better than when she was pregnant. And so I just was thinking, oh, this is going to be great. Like, I'm going to feel so good. I'm going to have all this energy. I'm going to be glowing. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I think I hadn't even taken a pregnancy test. And I was like, what is wrong with me? I'm so sick. I feel like I have the flu or something. I was throwing up um, and I finally took a test and I was pregnant. And so it's always my first symptom is like the nausea, the vomiting from about three or four weeks on Ooh. until like 26 weeks. I, my first pregnancy, I ended up in the hospital a couple of times for IV fluids. Um, I, you know, was on medication, which didn't do anything. And subsequent pregnancies, I decided not to do medication for other reasons, but just really, really sick. I think I lost almost 20 pounds and I was like, not very big to begin with. So it was pretty rough. And then, you know, around 26 weeks, I started feeling better and had some, some energy and some good months. And then you get to like the 32, 33 weeks where you're like, Oh wow. I'm very uncomfortable. So that was kind of my experiences. I, I loved like, if I'm being honest, I love feeling my babies inside of me. I love feeling them move and just the excitement that comes with having another child, but I really do not enjoy being pregnant, unfortunately. Um, and I think if I did, I would have like maybe, God just made me that way so that I wouldn't have a million babies. Because if I love being pregnant, I would probably have a million babies. <laughs> yeah, I, especially when you
1: are starting off in the home birth arena already. It's like you have your first and you're like, well, I'm hooked. Totally. Okay, yeah. so yeah. So your, your pregnancy was very difficult, especially that first one. Um, but then we're getting towards labor. What, what happened and also what did you do to prepare for this first birth?
0: So my first birth, I feel like I honestly did not know what to do to prepare. Um, it was a lot of, so I read um, Ina May's, chat. what is it? Guide, Guide to, to, Child childbirth. to Childbirth. Guide to Childbirth. Yeah, I read that book. Um, I felt like being a nurse, I really understood the, the process, the entire process of pregnancy and labor and how dilation and effacement like all that works right i knew what was going to happen but i had no idea the intensity or exactly what it would feel like and and really looking back i don't think there was a way for me to prepare myself any better than i already was um but with my first it, i remember afterwards Being a little bit traumatized, not because the experience wasn't beautiful and amazing because it was, but at the intensity of like, I can't believe that power exists within my body. Like it was almost like shock that, that I had just gone through that. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Um, For the first time, I think that was, that was really, yeah, it was just like, wow, that was very intense, you know? Um, And it is birth is like very, very intense. Um so I oh man I feel like it's been so long but um
1: especially especially 8 years ago when you say you know I I don't know that I could have prepared any better you're right in the sense that there really there's been a massive increase in information because yeah. you know 8 years ago there was not such easy access to childbirth education and, and the true information regarding physiological birth.
2: We didn't even have smart, right? Really? I don't even, was, I think
0: Instagram was just like, maybe a thing, right. It had just started and it was like the old Instagram filters and no one, no one doing like influence or anything. It was just like me taking a picture of my food I made and posting <laughs> it or whatever, you know, it was, so yeah, there wasn't really, my means of educating myself was like books and talking with my midwives. That was pretty much it at that point. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there wasn't, I feel like I did prepare myself as best I could in that at that time. Right. Uh, Yeah.
1: But so, okay. So we've, we've got that. What, what was that labor? What were your signs that, Oh, I think labor's about to happen.
0: Um, So I remember I didn't have much going on. I had some Braxton Hicks for a few weeks beforehand. And then it was just, I was like 40 days and, or 40 weeks and six days, I think five or six days. Um, And it was in the middle of the night, I woke up to some really intense contractions. um, And they were like maybe every 30 minutes apart. And so I'd try to sleep in between them and was like, oh, maybe this is it. Maybe not. I don't really know. And then I think it was a few hours of that and they started kind of picking up and it was, I want to say like 6am and I woke my husband up and was like, I think that the baby is coming. Um, and yeah, so that ended up being the start of my labor. Um, she, I had a pretty long labor with my first, I think it was 18 hours or so. Um, and just kind of gradually, you know, became less less time in between contractions. Um, I think my midwives came, goodness, I don't even remember. It's been so long, maybe sometime in the early afternoon. And then she was born at 8 PM, I want to say. So it was, yeah, about 18 hours start to finish. Um, so yeah, it was pretty, a pretty like typical first birth labor experience, I think.
1: Yeah. And, and I'm sure after you had that first experience, you mentioned, you know, it was almost traumatizing the way that you realize how much power is actually inside of this process. Um, So mm-hmm. with that, armed with that knowledge, what was it like preparing for your second birth and how did that pregnancy and birth unfold? What did you learn in the meantime?
0: Yeah. So <clears throat> I think because, once you go through it a for a first time, then it's easier to obviously know what you're going to go through and to then maybe see the things beforehand that could help you. So, um, for me, for my second, it was a lot of just mental preparation. It was, um, you know, obviously like pregnancy. I feel like it's just the last couple months where I start to really think about what I'm going to be going through and ways that I can help myself. So, Um, it looked a lot like just prayer, um, meditation, just imagining, you know, my body relaxing through that, that feeling through those sensations, um, because, you know, a tight body has a hard time contracting. And so just focusing on being able to relax, um, positive imagery, just visualizing everything opening and my baby coming out without any, like, any chords or any, you know, anything weird happening. Um, just really just positive visualization and, um, a lot of mental prep. I think it wasn't until my third or fourth that I found some additional books that I enjoyed reading. Um, there's like the gift of giving life, which I love. I love the parallels of like you know, I think it's so interesting that um, the experience is is the way it is. I think there's so much purpose in the intensity and in the pain and in those feelings of being alone. And I don't know, I don't know if you're religious or not, but I I draw so many parallels to um, those experiences that Christ had in those moments where he felt alone. And it's really cool that I, in all of my births, I've been able to feel it's a very spiritual experience. And I feel like I'm alone, but I'm not alone because mm. God is with me. Um, and it's almost like you're walking alongside God to bring this baby into the world. And it just feels very, um, it's very spiritual for me. Mm. So yeah, that's that a book, beautiful way to put it. Yeah. And so that book, there's a book called the gift of giving life. And it talks a lot about about that and the purpose and the pain and the solitude of the experience and what we learn from that. And so that really helped me, um, you know, just as I've had each baby, I think I've gotten a little bit better at going through that process and handling it well. Um, even though there's definitely times where you're always feeling out of control and feeling like you are going to die or whatever it is, you know, it's just very intense. Um, but finding meaning and purpose in what you're actually going through helps you helps me anyways, to just stay, stay calm and stay, um, uh, what am I trying to say? Just stay focused on the task at hand, which is, you know, relaxing and doing the things I need to do to bring my baby. So,
1: yeah. And you know, there's something so intimate and I feel like this theme has come up so many times on the podcast and it's just this concept of, of, being given the gift of, of creation, you know, with the Lord, you are creating this new life. You've been given the gift of being able to usher in new life. How amazing and what an incredible gift to be given.
0: Yeah, it really, really is such a gift. And I can like, honestly say in those moments where my babies, um, I'm like getting emotional thinking about it, where they've come up out of the water. I really have felt like the heavens have parted and I've just been handed this soul from Mm -hmm. God like straight, you know, straight from his hands to mine. Like that's how it feels. Um, And it really is such a gift. Mm -hmm. Wow. Hey, mamas, I'm going to interrupt for just a second
1: to let you know that I have a totally new, totally (laughs) banging. Is that a popular phrase? Probably not. Totally free home birth guide for you. It's called the Top 8 Home Birth Resources Checklist, and it's full of clickable links that will take you to the best, if I do say so myself, podcast episodes, educational resources, and classes regarding home birth in order to get you ready for this life-altering experience. Want in? Just head to myhappyhomebirth.com forward slash top 8 that's the number eight to get your hands on it. Okay. Back to the episode. And how did that look with this, with this birth?
0: Um, with my second, mm-hmm. which one are, I'm like, which yep, one are you talking we're about? on two for now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Capri was my second. She was, she's my little peanut baby. So she, mm-hmm. um, so All of my births, I've had cervical lips and I don't know if anyone has had one of those, but have you, have either of you had that experience?
1: Yeah, no, I didn't have a cervical lip. I have been, I've attended a number of births with them.
0: Oh my gosh. It is like, I'm like, that is like the one thing that just like, is like the thorn in my side of my Mm -hmm. birth stories. And I've had to really accept that it makes it so much hard. Like it, harder. It takes, you know, the experience that's like a 10 out of 10. And it, in those moments where we're like dealing with my cervical lip, it's like 20 out of 10 intensity. Mm-hmm. I like wish so bad that that isn't part of my story. And I don't know why I even wish that because it they've ended up being beautiful and I have my babies and they're amazing, but it just has made it so much harder. So for those of you who don't know a cervical lip is basically just where your cervix, um, gets trapped either, you know, it's stuck between there's a lot of pressure from the baby's head on your pelvis and the cervix can get kind of trapped between the head and the pelvis or it gets really swollen. And so you can't fully dilate. And when you have contractions rather than it pulling back, it just kind of is trapped. Um, and so my midwives have had to go like, reach inside of me. And during a contraction, like force it back. And it is like, I can't say how painful it is. Um, I have a bar of chocolate still that has teeth marks in it from me, like biting down on this bar of chocolate. It's kind of the worst anyways. So after I got all that, so I was in labor with her. Um, I actually went into labor with her on my due date. Um, and her labor was about nine hours. She was born, goodness, when was she born? I want to say like five 30 in the morning. Um, I put my oldest daughter to bed. She was like 20 months at the time and, um, laid down on the couch and I'd been having a few days of prodromal labor. So just false, false labor, um, at night. And so I lay down on the couch and contraction started and I just was thinking, Oh, it might, it might be another night of, you know, this, and then they'll kind of die off. But, um, they just kept picking up in intensity. And so, called my midwives around midnight, I want to say, and they showed up and, um, yeah, she was born about 5:30. Um, I got stuck. My labor kind of stalled at a, I was, I think I was like a five or six and I had a cervical lip. And so we had to work past that. And then after that, um, cleared after we got that cervical lip out of the way, I had her, I think an hour later. or So, um, and she was tiny. So I feel like I really had to, to like breathe her out rather than push her out. I was trying to have her not come out so fast because I didn't, I didn't want to tear. And I just felt like she was going to like fly out of me. I remember almost feeling like I had to keep her in a little bit. Mm. Um, so I really just like breathed her out. Um, and yeah, she was just the sweetest little thing. She was, I mean, she wasn't even that tiny. She was like seven pounds, but my first baby was almost nine. So she felt little and (laughs) very small comparatively. Yeah. 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 So yeah, that was her, her story. And, um, yeah, hers, it was definitely easier for me to cope through that experience than my first and just mentally knowing what I was going through and that I was going to be okay. Um, and it was all just part of the process, you know,
1: Mm Mm-hmm. And do you, with all of your births, have you given
0: birth in different positions or do you typically
1: find yourself in the same place every time? How does that look?
0: Yeah. I've, I have found myself in the same place every time. Like, it's like my body knows what works for me. Right. Mm -hmm. And I've tried, um, I've tried to push on my back and every time it's like, nope, I got (laughs) to flip around. This doesn't feel right for me. And so I'm usually on my hands and knees kind of Upright, um, And I'm always in the water. I like to be in the water. It seems to kind of um, take some of that intensity away. Um, so yeah, they've all been born in that same position.
1: That's how my two have been born, too. I don't think I'll be able to do it any other way. It's
0: like, I know. I, I really want it. So my last one, we were doing a video, and I just I think it's so cool when you can like see the baby coming out more. And so I tried to be on my back, and it just did not feel right. So I ended up flipping around. I wanted to be out of
1: the water for my most recent one. I was just like, oh, it would be so cool to be standing up and to catch my baby. And then yeah. I was like, you know, going through these contractions and my husband kept saying like, don't you want to get in the water? Like, aren't, aren't you, don't you want to? And then once I did, I was like, okay, yeah, that was dumb. I,
2: yeah. that.
0: I know I'm always the same way. I like, want. I have all these ideas in my head of what it's going to look like. And then it's like, nope, this is what my body wants to do. And I'm just going to do what my body wants to do. It's right and true. It's- <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So, so
1: first two, and then what about your third pregnancy? How, how was that one any different from the previous?
0: Yeah. So my third pregnancy, um, so I found out we were having a boy. So my first two were girls and then, um, with my boy, I wasn't as sick. Um, so that was a little bit nice. I, I was still pretty sick, but not as, not as deathly sick. So, Um, a little bit more weight gain, just felt a little bit healthier overall throughout the pregnancy. Um, and his birthday, let's see, I think I was due with him on September 3rd, and I ended up having him on September 5th. Mm -hmm. So all of mine have been pretty close to my due date, um, which I don't really like pay attention to due dates much. You know, I always, whenever I'm pregnant, I'm if, if they tell me my due date is September 5th then I'll say, oh, okay, my baby will be here sometime, sometime early to mid September is like mentally what I tell myself because a due date is a, an estimation. And I just don't think that, um, I personally don't like having a time frame on my baby or my body. So, well, it's not That's even okay. an appropriate average.
1: Like when, when we look at the average of when a mother gives birth, it's not 40 weeks, like especially yeah. first time mothers.
0: Yeah. It's very rare for it to be 40 weeks. It's, Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people that go all the way to 42. I know some people that have their babies at 37, like it's a very wide, that's like a five week window, right. That's Mm -hmm. considered normal. So I think it's funny that we even have like due dates that are so that it's fine to have a due date, but when it determines so much of someone's care, I think is, is interesting in terms of like induction or whatever it is, you know? Mm -hmm. um so so yeah um very similar like all of my stories have been very similar I I put my kid my older two girls to bed and then I laid down on the couch and I had been having a few days of of labor so I I knew it would be you know within a few days that I would have the baby and um laid down on the couch and just started um excuse me started having contractions Um, I think they were, they were pretty inconsistent. So he ended up being posterior. Mm. And so I didn't have that like consistent pressure on my cervix. Um, so my contractions were kind of all over the place. Like they would be like five minutes apart and then they'd be 30 minutes apart. And then they'd be three minutes apart. And it was like, what is going on? Like, this is crazy. So of course my midwives and I were in contact and they ended up coming, um, he was posterior and again, I had a cervical lip. So, um, they do what's called one thing they've done to help me is it's called the hula dance. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but they basically have me get on my hands and knees and they grab my hips. And as I'm contracting, they like rotate my hips kind of like I'm doing the hula. Hmm. And what that's supposed to do is rotate the baby into a more, um, favorable position for just consistent labor and for birthing the baby. So they were able to turn him from posterior to, um, I can't even remember anterior anterior. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So the right direction that's like more favorable for them to come out. Right. Um, and, and then with that, we also had to get my cervical lip out of the way. So Mm -hmm. push that back. But, um, his labor again was like nine and a half hours. Um, I was stuck with him. I was stuck in transition at like a seven for probably four of those hours. Mm. So that was, that was pretty rough. And I had, you know, he was posterior, so I had back labor. Um, so like all the things that you don't necessarily want, but have sometimes <laughs> per se, <laughs> yeah, yeah. um, And yeah, but once my cervical lip cleared, it was like, I went from, it was like, my cervix was ready. I went from a seven to a 10 in like two minutes. And I remember I got up to go to the bathroom. I had to, I had to pee and, um, I was like, oh, I felt him like drop down into my birth canal. I was like, oh, I got to get off this toilet or he, he's going to come on the toilet. I like refused to have my baby on a toilet. i like, no, that is not going to be me, even though I think that's fine for some people. But I, I just have a weird thing about that, I guess.
1: You wanted so a different went, type of water
0: birth. <laughs> yeah, different type of water birth. exactly. So I like hobbled over to the birth tub and got in and I think I was pushing within a couple minutes and had him, you know, maybe five minutes after that, he was another big baby. He was, I think he was eight fifteen.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and, but he, I think his birth was probably my most, um, like my most redemptive, I don't know if that's mm-hmm. the right word, but I felt the most calm and collected throughout that birth. If that's,
1: you know, yeah, that's like fascinating. fascinating.
0: Yeah. Because it sounds like it was your
1: most, I mean, and perhaps it wasn't, but all of those different kind of pieces adding up mm-hmm. would seem like it would make it be the most difficult of a challenge, but it also was the most redemptive.
0: Yeah, it was. And I felt like, even though I knew all these things were I was going through, like I just, the whole time I was able to pretty much stay calm and just understand like, this is okay. This is a part of my journey. Like this is not going to break me. I'm going to be okay. And I'm going to have my baby. And it just helped me stay very, yeah, just calm and collected throughout the process. So I felt like his birth was really, um, just really a good one. It was, it was a good story. So, and they're all good stories, but yeah, it just felt very redemptive for me after having a couple that felt very out of control, maybe a little bit Um, scared of the intensity, like those kinds of experiences. So,
1: yeah, there's Uh, definitely a different feeling of that, like kind of birth happening to you versus you being a part of your birth. I know I experienced a difference in that from my first
0: birth to my second. Totally. Yes. That's a great way of saying it is, yeah, like my first two, I almost felt like this is happening to me. And I think my last two, it was like, no, this is happening for me. Like, this Mm. is, this is good. This is, you know, every contraction, every, every minute is one step closer to my baby. And, and it, it felt like just a better mental state overall. What was that?
1: uh, What was your initial postpartum like too? if you're, you're experiencing this intensity, but it's also married to this feeling of redemption. Like, how did you feel when you reached down and brought your baby up? Oh my
0: gosh! Like, are there even words? I I feel like, like superhero. Like, what you know, goddess. Like, what are the words? You just feel. It's like your body is magic. Mm -hmm. Um, It just feels transformative in every way. It's like a rebirth of the mother too, Mm -hmm. and I talk about that a lot. Is you are birthing your baby, but you are also born a new stronger more empowered you know um more courageous person and I have felt in those moments where I'm lifting my baby up this just wave wash over me and it feels like I'm being born again as well um yeah just the best the best feeling in the world like nothing like it oh that's beautiful
1: and so finally we're getting to this most recent pregnancy at this point, you know, you have learned a lot, (laughs) you, you're like, (laughs) you're a home birth pro. So what was this fourth pregnancy and birthing experience? Like, what did you do? Did you do anything differently this time around?
0: Um, I didn't, I didn't do too much different. I would say just maybe more, like more prayer, more meditation, more positive imagery. Cause I, I think I saw how much those things helped me with my third birth. And so it was like, um, you know, I just, I focused on that a little bit more towards the end and creating my birth bubble that last month of pregnancy. I'm really like, I really turn inward and I, um, kind of tune out the world and things that are going on outside of me and just focus on my spirit and my body and my mind and like making sure that I'm very, um, there's no clutter going on, you know, that I'm able to just be in tune with my body and my baby. And, and so I think I just spent more time doing that with this fourth baby. Um, and you know, more time with my kids, just recognizing that every time you have a baby, um, it's this amazing thing, but it also, it changes just the whole family dynamic. And so you're saying goodbye to, a family of five and now I'm a family of six. And so just taking the time to um, soak up those last weeks and days as a family of five or, you know, whatever the number would be, but just more of that Mm -hmm. with my fourth.
1: And at this time, especially with your fourth, you know, you already had this platform. So what was it like sharing your, your journey with other women and mothers as you were going along?
0: Oh, yeah. I, you know, I love I love my Instagram community. They're like some of the most supportive, uplifting, positive people. And I just felt like sharing that experience really brought me so much joy um, mm-hmm. to have people excited for me to also be able to educate people and show them what I was going through and what I was doing and how it was this positive experience. Um was really rewarding. And I, you know, I get messages from people that are like, I saw you do this and, and I had a home birth and it changed my life. Like just, you know, in a nutshell, messages like that really are the best. <laughs> so sharing that journey with my, with my community was really fun for me. Um, and yeah, I think I, I don't, I don't know if it's cause I'm a nurse or if I'm just more open, but I really, there's not many subjects that are off limits. I, I'm not very shy about like talking about things that maybe people would consider TMI. You know, I just am (laughs) like, this is what I'm doing and this is normal and like be in touch with your body and whatever. So, um, yeah, it was, it was really rewarding to be able to do that. That's amazing.
2: Well,
1: so I'd love to hear what that, uh, journey was like, what was your
0: labor like with your fourth babe? Yeah. So my fourth was another boy and we didn't actually find out gender with him, which I loved. And if I, I think if I could go back and do anything different, it would be that, like, I kind of wish we hadn't found out with my others just because it made it so exciting and so fun at the end there. Mm Um, but so pregnant with him, um, he, my pregnancy was very similar, you know, just kind of feeling pretty bad for the first half. And then the second half was, was good. But, um, I, let's see, I went into labor with him. I was actually a day before my due date was Valentine's day. And I don't know why, but I did not want a baby on Valentine's day. Like my whole pregnancy, I just like, I think I was really thinking I was kind of being selfish a little bit cuz I love Valentine's Day and I love going out with my husband and like celebrating that day of love with him and with my kids and like I just didn't want anything to get like to take over Valentine's Day and I knew if I had a baby then it would be like birthday and then like a little bit Valentine's Day you know <laughs> so, Right I just did not want a baby on Valentine's Day and anyways I went into labor um his story was unique in that usually I like, I feel like the body knows, right? And with all of my others, it's been at nighttime when I'm relaxed, um, that I go into labor when my other kids are, are in bed and they don't need me, I can finally relax and my body can begin that work of bringing my other baby, you know, but with him, it was like, it was almost like the universe just teaching me a lesson, like you do not have a say. <laughs> you do not have control. <laughs> um, because I started going into labor with him. It was like maybe three, three PM. Um, and I went and laid down just to kind of see if they would the contractions would continue or if they would pick up. And I thought they would stop. Um, but they actually started getting closer together and more intense so I called my husband and I kind of let my midwives know what's going on which you know I've had all my babies with my midwives so they know me very well they know my process they know like the time frame I'm not someone who has my babies in three hours you know it's kind of like well let's just like wait a little bit let us know when you need us you know it's just very casual like that so um but I was just laying down. I think I had my mother-in-law come and get my kids so that I could just kind of relax a little bit. Um, and I was timing contractions. And I, I want to say it was a few hours. And I was like, OK, yeah, like this is this is labor. Actually, you know, what? I take that back. I, te- I remember texting my midwives after I got my kids in bed. So it was like probably eight o'clock or nine o'clock. And I'm like, uh, I don't know. I think, I don't think you need to come yet. You know? And, <laughs> and they're like, are you sure? Your, con- your last few contractions were like three minutes apart. Like, <laughs> you feel like maybe we should come set things up so we can, you know, not be having to rush around. Like, is it okay with you if we come? Which I love that dialogue, by the way, between like myself and my midwives where everything is like, you you need to give us permission, right? Like, mm-hmm. is it okay with you? This is what we think. What do you think? Like, there's it's a very cooperative relationship, which is unique and special. I think so. And important. Um, I mean, it's so important. The way, it right? like, the way it should be. Yes, exactly. The way it should be it should be for sure. Um, So. I was like, okay, yeah, maybe they're right. <laughs> they they came and, you know, it was probably midnight. No, was it midnight? I don't know. It wasn't midnight. It was like 6 p.m. So my time frame's off. Anyways, I think they came at like six o'clock is when they showed up. And I remember thinking like, oh, this is so great because they came and they checked me, which they don't usually check me, but I... I just wanted to know this time I was at a six and it was six o'clock and I was thinking, okay, like maybe I won't have a Valentine's baby. Maybe this baby will come, you know, on the 13th and I can not have Valentine's day baby, which is what (laughs) I was hoping for. And everyone's like, oh yeah, like you'll probably for sure. The baby will be born before midnight. Right. Well, (laughs) um, of course, like, no, that's not what happened. So, um, I, it was like 1030, 30. I had been laboring my, my, so this time my girls, I wanted my girls, they were seven. Were they seven yet? No, I think, yeah, they were seven and five. And I felt like they were old enough to, to see, you know, to kind of see me go through this experience. I wanted them there. I wanted them to um, just witness this incredible event in their lives and in mine, you know, um, And so they were awake in my room, and just kind of one of them had fallen asleep on the bed. I was laboring in there. You know, there it was my mom and my husband and my midwives, a lot of people in that room. And um, at one point, my midwives, I was kind of stuck. I had a cervical lip again, of course. And I was feeling very defeated by that because I was, I told them during my pregnancy, like, I just want to figure out how to not have a cervical lip. Like, I just don't want to get stuck. I don't want to need intervention. I want to just be able to go into labor and have, you know, have my body do its thing and not get stuck. Like, I just remember really feeling that and having those desires. And so when I, when it didn't go that way, I felt very discouraged. Mm -hmm. Um, and a little bit like gosh, why, like, why can't my body just do this thing? Like it should know how to do this. This is my fourth baby, you know, a little bit discouraged. And I think they could sense that. So they sent everyone out and it was just my husband and them in there and, um, you know, letting me labor doing that hula dance, trying to get my cervix unstuck. Um, I think it was probably 10 30. And it just was like, I remember feeling like, ah, also so mad that I was not going to ha- probably have the baby on the 13th, but it was going to be a Valentine's day baby. I'm like, can anything go my way? Like <laughs> this is my final lesson and just letting go and surrender, I think, you know, and, um, and really for me, birth is a lot about that, like that, those lessons in surrendering your body and your mind to what is going on in your body and, and letting that experience, envelop you and realizing you don't have control. Like there's so many lessons to be drawn from birth. And I think that's just one really beautiful lesson. Um, anyways, so I was in there laboring and, um, took forever for me to fully dilate my, I had a really stubborn cervical lip. It was really swollen. We just couldn't get it out of the way. They, um, like I said, did that hula dance with me to try to clear it. They kept push, trying to push it back, it wouldn't clear. It just, it took a long time. Finally. Um, you know, I got out and labored on my bed. i got out of the water, out of the tub, labored on my bed. I kind of turned from side to side. And, um, Oh, the other thing that was unique about this labor was I was, um, I was group B strep positive. Mm. So I had never been before, but this time I was. And for that reason, they didn't want to break my water. Um, until we knew we could get the baby pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it'd been one thing if, if my water had broken on its own, that would have been fine, but they didn't want to break it, um, unless they had to, and they knew that the baby could be there pretty quickly. So I had, um, a bulging bag of water. And when they were trying to push my cervical lip back, this was probably like 1 a.m., I want to say on, on the 14th. So just after midnight, um, (laughs) just enough to show you like, Hey, you don't. Uh (laughs) Um, (laughs) So anyways, they were trying to push my cervical lip back and my water broke. And I actually panicked a little bit because I was in transition. So when you're in transition, you know, that feeling of just being a little bit out of control. I wasn't in the water, which wasn't normally for normal for me being in transition. Um, So I felt like it was a little bit more intense and normally midwives are very, um, they're very good about explaining. So it would have been like, I'm going to, I think we should break your water. This is why, what do you think? Do you want me to do it? Okay. I'm going to break your water now. Like they explained to you what was going on. Well, they hadn't intended on breaking my water. It just broke. And so it, it just shocked me because normally they would have explained it to me. Um, and also when your water breaks, it like really intensifies those already very intense feelings. So I kind of had a moment of like panic Mm. a little bit and, um, which isn't normal for me. And, um, anyways, they had to, I remember my midwife at one point, like grabbed my face and was like, Aaron, Aaron, like you're okay. You're okay. Um, and, and then it was like, Oh yeah. Okay. I'm okay. (laughs) But it just took someone like pulling me back to my body and being like, you you're okay. Like, you're not, you're not this out of control, you know, like you're not going to die. Everything's okay. Um, and I felt him move into my, my birth canal again. It was like, I gotta, I gotta push. And so I got back in the tub, um, and I, yeah, I think I had him at like one, what time was it? Like one twenty-three or something. Um, and everyone had been out of the room. And so I really wanted my girls to see him being born. So I remember being like, you guys got to get them quick or they're going to miss it. Cause I was like having that baby pretty fast. So they came running up the stairs and, um, I was really ready to be done with, this labor, I just um, I felt like you know you get to that place mentally where you're like, I will do whatever it takes to get this baby here." Mm-hmm. And I was there. Um, and so I got in the water and I just like pushed with all of my might. and I oh, the other thing that started happening too was I started having leg cramps. So oh, like no. Charlie horses, like as I'm pushing, I have Charlie oh. horses in my calves. I'm like, come on. <laughs> Like you can't even put magnesium work. lotion on in the water. No, I can't do anything. I was like, I just have to get this baby out because that is the only way that this will end. And so I pushed with like all of my might. and, um, yeah, it was just a couple pushes, and he was he was born. and I, oh man, i I think the last thirty minutes of that was such a whirlwind that when he was born, it was like shock. It was like, what just happened? <laughs> like, and even my midwife. So the other thing with him too, was, um, we talked about this later because they didn't want to, they didn't want to worry me during his birth, but they were a little bit concerned about him because of his heart rate. It was really, really high during labor. Um, and so they were, I think just as eager to get him out as I was. Um, and so everyone had this like relief wash over them, like, okay, it's over. She did it. The baby's here. Um, you know, and that's how it felt for me. It was just this like shock. And you can see in the pictures, I have pictures and video where it was like, Oh my gosh, like, I can't believe that that just happened. And I did it. And like the baby's here and wow, you know, just all these feelings. So, um, but we didn't know gender and it took me a minute to, to like process like that the baby was here, that it was over, that I'd done it. And so it was, you know, I, I picked him up out of the water and I just held him to me. And it was almost like I intuitively didn't want anyone to like get a peek at what the (laughs) baby was uh, because I just held that baby so tight to me. And it was like 10 minutes before we looked and saw what, what he was and uh, yeah, a long time. Right. Like my midwives made note of it and And it was finally like, should we look? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I kind of like this, just not knowing like the sweet baby. Um, One thing that was really cool about that was my husband was a little bit nervous about um, not finding out the gender because he felt like throughout the pregnancy, it helped helped him connect a little bit to the baby and knowing what it was, which I totally understand. Um, So he was a little bit nervous. But one thing that he told me later that I thought was really cool was in those Um, In those nine minutes, nine or 10 minutes, he, he just, I'm like going to cry. Oh my gosh. He's like, he's like, I realized it didn't even matter like what the gender was. I love that that baby so much. So it was a really special, special time where we just got to soak in that baby didn't even matter if it was a boy or a girl, just, it was ours and we loved it. So anyways, we finally looked and it was like, Oh my gosh, it's a boy, like such a fun moment. So I loved, I loved not finding out gender this time. I think it just made it an extra special little gift. Um, and my girls were there and they were so excited and so sweet. And anyways, it was, it was a really cool experience, but definitely, I think my most intense labor, um, I did not feel like I was as like calm and collected as I had been in my others, which is fine. Like, I don't think birth is supposed to be calm and collected. It's supposed to be a little bit out of control sometimes. Um, but anyways, so yeah, that was, that was Rafe and he was born on Valentine's day. (laughs) All of my wishing and pleading. He is a Valentine's day baby. So that is, there you have it. (laughs) So cute.
1: I I would love to, you know, now that we've heard these amazing birth stories and and they're amazing because they're not the like, oh, it was so simple and easy and I just breathed my baby out. No, it's the raw intensity of birth. And I've, I read something recently. It was like, you know, for every calm birth video you watch, you need to watch the one where mom's roaring baby out because that... Is legitimate and and yeah. birth happens the way it needs to happen. Um totally. so and I, I love that's doing
0: more that. common. I mean, I, I don't know what's more or less common, but I mean, four out of four of mine, I have not, I think I like I said, I had one where I maybe breathed the baby out, but it was still very intense. Like I felt like my labors, you know, I see those those birth videos where the moms are like smiling as they're pushing their baby out. And I'm like, that is not me. Like <laughs> I, I feel like I'm like. Get this baby out! Like I'm ready to be done. And even though it's this amazing experience, like it's it's intense. And so, I think I I I think I saw the same thing you saw too. And I thought that is so good because birth is just raw and powerful. And sometimes you're loud, and sometimes you feel out of control, and sometimes you just will do anything to get out of that situation. Like I, you know, with race, I'm like I do not care if I tear, I'm pushing this baby out with everything I had in me. And that's, that's what I did. And sometimes it's just like that. So, um, And there's
1: obviously lessons to be learned in all of it. Just like you said, you know, you've learned so much through each of your birthing experiences and, and those were the lessons that you
0: needed. Yeah, totally. Totally. And I
2: think sometimes, I mean, the hardest things are definitely the most rewarding, you know? Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. I think, um, my births, I would not say have been easy. And I have shared birth videos and stuff online. And I get comments like, Oh, you, you make it look so easy and so peaceful. And I'm like, girl, (laughs) if you had been there, like my birth videography, videographers do a good job. Cause let me show you the raw footage. Like it is not that way, you know? So, um, and I've had to really like, I think everyone wants that birth that is just like peaceful and calm and they can just breathe their baby out and stay in control. Like, you know, I think if you picture how you want it to go in your head and like when I'm doing my, my positive imagery, that's what I picture, (laughs) but it never goes that way. And, and like you said, the lessons that we learn in birth is just that for me, I think it's been so many lessons in you aren't the one in control of so many things, birth included, like you, you know, you have to surrender your life to a higher purpose and a higher power. So Mm -hmm. that's a lot of what I've taken away from my birth experiences.
1: And I always think like, that's also just way above my pay grade anyway. Like who am I to control this? No, I, I don't want that. I don't want that responsibility. Like I want the Lord to be in charge of that. That's not my thing. Yeah, totally. Oh, so interesting. Okay. So as we uh, finish up these birth stories, we did get a few questions from some of your followers, some of my listeners, Emily, you may have a few questions as well. So one of the questions we got was, how do I explain to my family that I'm having a home birth?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I would love to hear your girls, your girls' responses too, but (laughs) I, um, I, I'm a little bit more like I don't know what the word is not, not unsympathetic, but I try to be sympathetic, but I'm like, listen, this is your body. This is your experience. Why does anyone else get a say like you, you advocate for yourself and for your baby baby and what you want your experience to look like. And I mean, aside from husbands, cause their, their opinions are important too, obviously like they're, you know, they matter, but if you want this, you you make it happen for yourself and tune out what other people are going to say to you that might negatively affect, you know, what you want to do. Like you're, you're the one in charge. You have to take ownership of your experience. Mm -hmm. Emily, what were you
2: going to say? Yeah. I, um, anyone who directly asked, I told them what I was doing, but unless they directly ask, I just kept my bubble I just defended my bubble on what I was doing and worked really hard on, um, educating myself and having all the knowledge that I needed, but that was just going to be me and my husband anyway. So I didn't feel like the whole world needed to know our plan, you know? And then afterwards, once I experienced it and it was incredible, I was like, okay, now, now I can tell everyone what I did, but I, I talk all day long for a living because I'm a hairstylist. I was like, I don't want to defend myself all day, every day when you're already vulnerable, when you're pregnant. And so I just, I kept it to myself. And so, yeah, that was just.
1: Yeah. yeah. I think it's important for moms to remember, like, even though now, I mean, (laughs) I guess in this day and age, people are asking for all of our medical information, (laughs) but typically (laughs) this, this is your private medical information. Like yeah. this is not something that you have to go shout from the mountaintops. I was luckily in a position where, you know, I was already working with a midwife. Like I was I was a student midwife and everyone who knew me knew I was having a home birth, so I didn't get the comments. Like I'm sure people had opinions, but they kind of kept them to themselves, but I always like to encourage mothers that like, number one, you don't have to tell anybody. Number two, just like you said, Erin, like, okay, well, this is, this is just what motherhood is. It's making the best decisions for your child and for your family and not letting other people's opinions persuade you to do something differently. That's just how motherhood is.
0: Totally. Yep. And it's funny
2: because I, I kept all of that to myself, that pregnancy, but if we ever have any more, like, all I talk about now at work is home birth. Like it's literally <laughs> everyone that saw what I did, all my friends and clients that follow me on Instagram were like, wait, what? You know, they were shocked. But now I would be like, like through my experience and now experiencing myself, I would just tell everyone like, you got to yeah. do it. You got to have home birth.
0: <laughs> you do. I mean, once you do so, oh, it's man, I love it. I, I think people have really good intentions, but yeah, it's, I think it's just shocking when you hear someone having a home birth. And so people don't mean to maybe come across as, as like negative or whatever, but there's just a lot of unknowns. And I got a lot of comments, you know, when I was having my first um, eight years ago, like, like I said, like, why would you do that? You know, that seems unnecessarily risky or whatever it was. And, and, um, so I learned to not tell people as well, but also, I was very convicted and and knew what I want. Like I knew my my why. I had my why. And so nothing anyone said was going to to deter me. But I do think it's very smart to protect your bubble because you you don't want that negative energy. Um, you know, you just when you're pregnant and especially as you're getting close to your birth, you just want to be surrounded by positivity and you're that that affects your baby, like the stress mm-hmm. you feel that all affects your baby and your birth experience. So I really try to tune out negativity surrounding that. Um, oh, what was I going to say? Um, you said something that I had. Oh, I lost my train of thought. What was it?
2: <laughs> I was going to say it. after you have a home birth and the confidence that comes with that, it's funny because I had so many people that just were like, Oh wow. Like thank God, God nothing went wrong. And instead of that, just pushing that off i choose to educate people now that i've been through Mm -hmm. it and so it's kind of cool before like the old emily would never have chose to educate people and now that i've been through it like the the rebirth of the new emily will be like hey let me tell you all about it like it's not (laughs) it's not something scary it's not something to be afraid of like you know well
1: on that note that's another question that I mean, gosh, it comes up. I'm sure we've all heard it a bunch of times. But Erin, what do you say to the, what if something goes wrong? Like, why would you risk your baby and your safety if something could go wrong?
0: Yeah. Um, so I love what you said, Emily. And I think once you once you have a home birth, it is like you never go back, right? Like it is, it is like, why would you go anywhere else? So I... My midwives always told me in the beginning, um, birth is just this, or home is just the starting place. So, any everyone starts goes into labor at home, right? Every single, I mean, for the most part, some people go into labor at the store, or whatever. Like, but <laughs> you, you're usually not in the hospital when you start labor unless you're getting induced, which is a whole different story. But, um, labor begins at home, and as long as everything goes smoothly you stay like baby's good mom's good this is a normal natural process much like breathing your body knows exactly what to do and midwives are there to make sure that everything is going smoothly and as long as it, as it is then you don't need to go anywhere if for some reason things are trending in a way that maybe is a little bit concerning i find i feel like midwives i've talked to are very cautious and they're They're not going to take a risk. So they're going to err on the side of caution and, and go, okay, maybe things are, are trending this way. We might want to consider transferring. It's never going to be, hopefully if you have a good midwife, an emergent situation, um, where you're like rushing to the hospital, you know, it's, it's usually like mom is getting tired. She, um, she needs, you know, she needs some assistance with pain to be able to relax, to progress, or whatever it is. But um, these are questions you can ask your midwife: is like, what is your transfer rate? So my my midwives personally would transfer about two moms out of a hundred a year.
2: Wow, which, you know, two
0: percent. Two percent transfer rate is really low, I think. It's super um, low. <laughs> incredible, yeah. And they said usually the mom would transfer um, because her labor was really long and she was tired. And just wanted, you know, she wanted to go in and get the epidural so she could just be done or, um, what else? I think that was it. I think they said that's usually the reason they would transfer. It was never like an emergent situation. So I would just make sure that you have midwives, um, that you trust that have, you know, that are really experienced and, um, or that you know that they're going to be cautious and err on the side of caution. But birth is a very natural, normal process. And a lot of times it just goes better when we leave it alone. Mm -hmm. So, um, being afraid that something's going to go wrong is really a mental state that you want to try to shift. And the way I think you can shift that is by educating yourself in the process of birth, how it works, what happens, um, what different interventions, you know, what happens when you get an epidural, what happens when you do Pitocin or when you strip membranes, those all come with risk as well. And so um, really education is the key to eliminating that fear that something is going to go wrong. Mm-hmm. Chances are if you leave birth alone, most of the time it's going to go really, really smoothly. That's great.
1: I think that another important aspect of that is Also, educating yourself in the statistics of home birth. You know, when we're comparing, just like you said, you know, your midwives have this incredibly low transport rate. Well, all of those people that are giving a birth at home are not having C-sections. Whereas Mm -hmm. when we compare statistics of hospital to home birth, what is it? 5% of hospital, of of planned home births end in cesarean section versus Mm -hmm. 32.6 and upwards, in in the hospital. I mean, we've got to consider the risks of giving birth in the hospital. You know,
0: that's, that's yeah. something that's important. Totally. And I think people assume that because they're in the hospital, it's safe. Um, and it is like hospitals are great. If there's a true emergency, they're great at handling those things. But I think with a normal process, like birth, they're not so good at just leaving things alone. Mm-hmm. And And sometimes when we feel like we need to fix things or hurry things along, we end up causing more problems than we're actually helping. And, um, you know, it's so many times I hear like, if I hadn't been in the hospital, I would have died. And I'm like, I don't want to like downplay that fear or those feelings for people, but I would really love to know what they did before you ended up in that situation that could have maybe contributed to that experience that you had. Mm -hmm. Or you right. almost died or, or whatever it was, you know? So, because birth really shouldn't, it shouldn't be that way. So.
2: That's how, um so how I answer that question, what if something went wrong is the difference between midwifery care and OB care is how preventative midwives are. Like they troubleshoot yes. things at the very beginning when they're, it looks like nothing, like it could be a fluke. They They tune Mm -hmm. into everything that's going on with the mom, you know, like if your blood pressure is up a couple points, then they're going to, you know, figure out what's going on or you're not low risk anymore. So I think what's interesting is when people think it's crazy to have a baby at home, well, you're actually like, they're finding all of those risks before they happen and troubleshooting them and figuring out Mm -hmm. what's going on. And then that way, like you don't have many things that, I mean, of course things can, could happen, but you would know way ahead of time, you know, like, it's not, like you said, it's not an emergent thing, you know, yeah, the birth itself,
0: itself, like there's usually things leading up to that you can do to make, make the process go more smoothly. And I think midwives don't have surgery to rely on like doctors. And this is nothing against them, but they, if something just doesn't go right, they can just operate and remove, you know, like you said, the 32% cesarean rate, they have that to fall back on. And midwives really don't, they just have prevention and, um, and they're really good at prevention. So yeah. I right. Love that
1: about and part of that reason that they are so good at prevention, if we look at prenatal care, And we compare what's going on in midwifery prenatal care versus your typical obstetric prenatal care i mean they're worlds apart and your midwife knows what your baseline normal is and she knows what your baby's baseline normal is she has a relationship with you and with your body and and knows the intricacies of you as a whole individual. Whereas, you know, if we're having 15 minute in and out appointments with our OB and they have a million clients or patients, like it's just not the same level of intimacy and understanding.
0: Yeah. And and when we talk about prevention, so much of it is like, you know, I'm taking supplements throughout my whole pregnancy that are going to help me postpartum and help me during birth. Like they they're thinking that far down the road like things like dandelion that really keep my liver nice and healthy. So as I'm processing all of that extra blood volume that you get during during pregnancy, my liver can handle that, and I don't get uh, I don't get toxemia, I don't get preeclampsia, I don't you know. There's so much of it is preventative with supplements, which are is such an easy thing, and I wish we would just see more commonly. Or you know alfalfa, I start taking at. 28 weeks, which, um, helps with clotting factors so that postpartum, I don't lose too much blood. Like those kinds of things are what a lot of midwives are, are doing that really help the process. Right. less, Yeah.
1: Yeah. Such holistic care. And Mm -hmm. if anyone who's listening is curious to learn more about that, what if something goes wrong question, make sure that you check out episode 59. Um, That's with myself and the midwives at beautiful one midwifery. They do a phenomenal job of going through the common emergencies and how those are handled at home. Um, So then another question that we had, which I just find really fascinating is overcoming fear of non-medicated birth. So what would you say
0: to that? Yeah, it is interesting. Um, I think that so commonly, like when you see people giving birth in like movies, it just like the girl looks like she's, gonna die you know and and i said that a few times in my story like you feel like you're gonna die and it's not i don't think it's from pain i think it's from being out of body and the intensity um because i wouldn't actually say that the pain is that much it's it's more i describe it more of an intensity and like out of body experience um but you you know you see hollywood really um lay down the drama thick when it comes to birth. And so I think it, it is scary to a lot of people and it looks scary and, and the thought of a baby coming out of your body, like what, that's crazy. Right. Um, but, um, like I said, I think that there is so much purpose in experiencing that as we were intended. Um, going through that pain walking quote unquote walking through that fire um you gain so much more than you lose during those hours of hard like you, the empowerment that you feel and i just did that like that was the hardest thing i've ever done and i did it and look it, i have this baby in my arms you know there is nothing that will prepare you more for motherhood and the task the tasks that are before you, because motherhood is hard. Motherhood is challenging. There are painful moments in motherhood. There's nothing that will prepare you better than experiencing that birth, like in the raw flesh, as you were intended. I believe, um, you also have to remember that your body is releasing hormones that really help with, um, with the pain management. So you know the oxytocin that's coming is really good at that. There's different things. Um I, I wouldn't say that my experiences have been super painful. I like I said it's just really, really intense. Um but definitely not pain free. But I would just say yeah finding purpose in what you're going through and and doing it without um, you know, look up the risks of having an epidural and, or having pain management and what that does for you and how that affects your baby and breastfeeding and all these things. Um, you have to have a strong why for sure, because otherwise, if you, if you just go into the hospital, like I want to do this without medication, there's going to come a time where if you don't have a really solid why and the right support, you're going to be, you're going to be wishing for that epidural. So, um, having a why, and just educating yourself and recognizing that there is purpose in what you're going through beyond what, what we see here, um, you know, and what, how that will prepare you for motherhood. Mm, That's beautiful.
2: Emily, do you have any other questions? Um, no, I was just going to say to the excruciating pain part, the way that I prepared myself for that was just to equip myself with the tools to know how to cope through it. And I think the Mm -hmm. education of knowing like, deep breathing and having counter pressure and having a list of things to go through. So I had a plan, you know, that helped me, um, not be afraid of the fear. And then also, like you said, with the, the risk and the interventions of epidurals or of Pitocin or whatever, like knowing, like that's, unless I had to, like, I, I want to feel everything up to the point that like, I don't, I'd rather choose that over the risk any day. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you're so right. Like having the right tools is so important. Um, breathing, knowing how to breathe through contractions will save you. Um, and I think for anyone who's choosing to have, um, a bait, a baby, I was going to stay in the hospital, but really anyone just make sure you have good support. So my midwives are great at, you know, helping me get through those hard parts with the counter pressure, with the, um, reminders to breathe and, you know, different things. The water is really good at relieving some of that pressure and that pain. So just having the right tools to help support you through that is important too, for sure.
2: On that note, if you are looking for an incredible breakdown of all the tools, coping techniques, and everything else you need to equip yourself to have a present and mindful birth, then you listeners need to check out the Happy Home Birth Academy because I myself felt fully prepared after going through it. I didn't even pay you to say that. Thank
1: you. (laughs) Oh man, this has been so amazing, Erin. Such a fascinating conversation. As we start to close out the podcast, I would love if you would just give my listeners a way to follow along with you and all of the incredible information that you are just so freely providing.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for having me. I. you're probably like, okay, let's cut her off. But I could talk about birth forever, forever. It is the best. So, mm-hmm. um, thank you for having me so much. Um, so you can follow along with me on Instagram at, at essentially Aaron. There's two underscores after my handle. Cause I can't get, <laughs> I can't get the, for handle, uh, underscore free handle yet, but I'm essentially <laughs> essentially Erin on Instagram. And then I'm actually going to be launching my website soon, which I'm so excited about. Um, it'll be essentially erin.com and it will have tons of resources and a way to get in, in touch with me as well there. So
1: perfect. Aaron, it was such an honor to have you. Thank you so much for coming on the happy home birth podcast. Thank you
0: for having me. It was so fun.
1: What an incredible discussion. As we head into this week's episode roundup, I want to go over a few points that stuck out to me. Number one, every mother experiences labor in her own way. For Erin, there's a sense of solitude that she walks, and I certainly remember that feeling. Yes, we're surrounded with love and support, but nevertheless, we are the only one who can bring this baby forth into the world. This task is daunting, but it leads me to my second point. Number two, as Erin discussed, she also knew that she wasn't alone. She likened her experience to that of her savior, and she felt the holiness of his presence in her labor, even during the solitude. There's such a spiritual, connective aspect to birth, and I love how Erin tapped into that during her labors. And finally, every birth brings with it new lessons to learn, to internalize, to add to our motherhood. With her most recent birth, the recognition that Erin truly had no control over the outcome when her baby would arrive, whether or not she'd experience another cervical lip, it all brought the difficult but important and somehow freeing realization that we're not in control of the outcomes, but we are in control of how we apply those lessons to our lives. And that's where the beauty is. What a fun conversation that was before you hop off. Would you take a screenshot or picture of you listening or where you're listening or what you're doing and share it to your stories tag, happy home birth podcast, essentially Erin. She's got two underscores after the essentially Erin, and Emily underscore authentically. And let us know your favorite takeaway. Okay. My friends, that's all I've got for you today. I'll see you back here next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Are you looking to extend the home birth support, encouragement, and education? Join us in our Facebook group, Happy Home Birth Podcast Community, and check us out on Instagram at Happy Home Birth Podcast.